Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, uh, my old friend Perry Saturn is here. A good friend of mine. Uh, I've known him since about 1994. He's a little bit uh, down on his luck these days. He's hit some hard times. He needs some help, and we're going to try and help him out. He's a great, uh, great storyteller. Got a lot of good, 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 good tales to tell. And as a result of listening to Perry on today's show, I want you to do me a favor and then help my old friend Perry Saturn out. I want you to go to GoFundMe dot com slash Perry Saturn gofundme.com slash Perry Saturn if you want to throw a couple bucks his way help him get him back on his feet he posted a video the other day so uh, looks like he's uh, in danger of losing his home and he's got some uh, some problems but nothing that uh, we can't band together as a family here the talk is Jericho family and help Perry out so please gofundme.com slash Perry Saturn and uh, give him what you can so he can get back on his feet and uh, get his life back in order great guy like I said very entertaining and he really tells it like it is too he's got no filter he's got no problems uh, calling people out that he thinks treated him wrong He's got a lot of great stories about the highs and lows of his life uh, in WCW, WWE, how his career got derailed by drug abuse. He hit rock bottom in a big way uh, back in the mid-2000s, but he managed to get himself cleaned up and is sober to this day, which is great. He's telling his whole story. Like I said, the highs and lows. He's not mincing words. He's laying it all out there about being homeless, digging through trash cans for food, uh, working for his drug dealers as a, as a debt collector just so he can support his own habit. I mean, this guy's been through it all, so um, it's great to have him back kind of uh, on the in the land of the living. Nobody knew where he was for years. People thought he was dead, but he's back, and uh, he was a great performer, too. He's got some uh, excellent stories about his years in the business. Remember Moppy? How about that one? The Moppy gimmick in the WWE? You hear what inspired that and about the dress match that he had with me. Loser must wear a dress, and he uh, he lost. And I think he kind of wanted to. So uh, we hear all about that. Perry's also talking about his late, great, close friends, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. What it was like when they all left WCW together to come to WWE. The Radicals, remember that, in the middle of the Monday Night Wars. So Perry Saturn's on the way. You're not going to forget this one. But first, I want to tell you about another old wrestling friend of mine. 
someone Perry also knew quite well. They used to run together back in the day, Diamond Dallas Page. And you know what I'm going to say next? The same thing I say every time. I'm going to encourage you to give Dialysis DDPY program a try, okay? It's an amazing way to get your health and fitness on track for the year. And now's the perfect time to get started uh, to the, thanks to this tremendous deal that Dallas is offering. Christmas may be over, but Dallas's uh, generous spirit is not because right now, you can get 25% off all DDPY merch and swag. And when you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you'll get a second for 50% off. That's after the 25% you already got. You understand? It's like 75% off. That's a huge, amazing deal. And it's so worth it. I just want you to go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And remember, when you buy the DDPY DVDs, you also get three months for free of the DDP Yoga Now app. And the app's got everything on it. I do all my uh, yoga on apps now, on his app now. You know what DDPY has done for me and so many other people. The list goes on and on and on, uh, both in the business and out of the business, uh, music business, acting, everything, and everyone in between. Plumbers, lawyers, uh, physicians, ditch diggers, whatever it may be. It's very, very easy to do. And once you get locked in and get your mind rolling, you will feel the benefits of DDP yoga. Everyone's doing DDPY. And with the app, you can do DDPY anytime, anywhere, anyplace, right from your phone or your tablet. Remember, the app not only lets you do all the workouts right from your phone, also has a bunch of other cool features to help you get on that path to healthy living. And DDP Yoga Now app subscribers won't ever get bored doing the same workouts over and over again because DDP has added completely new 2.0 workouts and weekly live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. And like I said, you can get 25% off all DDPY merch and DVDs and buy a max pack or a combo pack and get a second for 50% off. It's the biggest sale ever on the ddpy program so take advantage of it and get on the path to healthier living today just go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho that's all you got to do to take advantage of this great deal ddpyoga.com slash jericho ddpyoga.com slash jericho ddpyoga.com slash jericho change your life and do it today Perry Saturn is here, and before we get into it with Perry, I just want to tell a, a pretty cool story um, from this weekend. We had a show in uh, Wichita, Kansas at 1 p.m., which is rare. Usually the shows are at 7.30, you know, especially on a Saturday night, but apparently there was a Wichita Thunder game, and they were playing that night, so we took the 1 o'clock slot. So I was planning on going to that game and kind of hanging out, and then I got uh, a call that the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing in Tulsa, which is about a two and a half hour drive away. So, um, as you all know, Chad Smith, good friend of mine, a Talk is Jericho alumni, did a great interview here a few months ago when the new Peppers album, The Getaway, came out. I called him up and found out that he was indeed playing. And so I have been wanting to see the Chili Peppers for years. I've never seen them live. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. So what a perfect way to, to, uh, to, to, to do this. So I finished the show in Wichita. Killed it. Main event, of course. Tag team match, Owens and Jericho versus, uh, versus Reigns and, um, and, and Rollins. I took a shower, got in the car, and drove. Got to uh, Tulsa at about 7.30. Hooked up with uh, some of the dudes that were going to the show, and we all headed over to the Peppers concert. Had a nice box up in the uh, BOK Center, the Box Center, since we were going to be there the next day. So thanks to the Box Center for hooking us up. So it was me, Big Cass, and Stroman. Sasha went. Um, who else was there? Bailey was there. Uh, Matt Hanrahan, our production uh, production manager for the live shows. Rusev, Lana. It was a 
great time and seeing the band just kill it. And the thing that's cool about the Peppers is that they play a different set list every night, a very different set list, a very, uh, very diverse on the songs they play. And um, I was talking to Chad after he said they probably know about 70 songs and they kind of just play the ones that Anthony Kiedis wants to play. So we had a great time that night, went out with Chad after and, it's funny because I posted a picture of Chad and I smoking and got huge uh, heat for that. But just keep this in mind. When I do uh, drink and sometimes if I have a cigarette, it's because I like the taste of it. I don't inhale it. And I just uh, like having one or two when I'm out sometimes. And the best part was that Chad had... Uh, uh, in his dressing room, he had two packs of cigarettes, American Spirit cigarettes. That was his rider. No deli tray, no alcohol, just two packs of smokes. <laughs> so we went out, had a great time, and then the next day, Chad came to our show, uh, which was his first time seeing a WWE show. So it was kind of like I went and saw the Peppers for the first time on Saturday. He went and uh, saw the WWE show on Sunday, and I uh, got to meet everybody. And Chad's just a great guy, if you remember him talking on, on, on Talk is Jericho. So it was really cool to have him involved and have him at the show. And uh, just one of those really, really awesome, just last-minute moments that just takes place. And, uh, and uh, some kind of one of the uh, perks of being on the road sometimes when you get the total great timing. Like I said, how we not have... Had that one o'clock show, I never would have got to see it, but I saw it. They were great. Go see the Chili Peppers when you can. Uh, favorite song was probably the beginning was great. They just do this jam and they went right into Can't Stop, which was awesome. I love that. So it was a lot of fun. Great times. Thanks to Chad. Thanks to the BOK Center for setting us up. And uh, thanks to the guys I had an amazing match with on Raw on Monday night. It was me, Owens, and Strowman versus Zane, Rollins, and Reigns. Just one of those magical nights, man. The crowd was insane. Uh, we didn't really put a lot into the match beforehand as far as preparing. Called a lot of it in the ring. Had a great finish. And the crowd was just off the charts so it's one of the reasons I, I said this on instagram one of the reasons why i still love doing this is for nights like that when all the fruit lines up and, and all the all the numbers come up and, and you kind of hit the jackpot and it was such a rush and such a buzz and so just had a great time in little rock so thanks everybody in little rock it was an awesome weekend so very uh excited about uh the next few months got a lot of projects coming up a lot of great wwe stuff still still be here uh doing as many shows as i can uh, signed a new contract this week, which is cool. Working on new Fozzie gigs, which we're putting together as we speak right now, and recording the new Fozzie record. Three songs are in the can. I think you're going to love that. And got uh, Talk is Jericho is, is growing. The Jericho Network got some great new shows on tap. And of course, I've also got some, I got three Hollywood projects that are kind of uh, uh, rolling right now. So busy, busy time, but I'm always busy, but I'm never too busy to talk with you twice a week. And very excited to bring to you uh, my old friend. I've known him for, for 22. 23 years uh, and he needs some help so we're gonna we're gonna spend some time with uh with with a great great cat perry saturn talk is jericho so i don't know when the last time i saw you perry um 10 years ago maybe uh, no i don't th i think maybe less than that at the minneapolis at the uh, oh yeah, yeah right you know, just for a minute you know yeah and uh for a uh raw or something was there you know you came down came down yeah it came up actually because i live a couple hours south of minneapolis you know but it's funny though because there's certain guys in your career that like for, for for example at the beginning of my career i probably spent more time with you from about 94 to probably 98 99 than than most other guys like we yeah. were really close for that five-year oh, period together right yeah it just seemed like 
we worked the same spot, same place. Or, yeah, yeah, we started yeah. out in, in Japan, and then we ended up in ECW, then ended up in WCW, and it was yeah. like it kind of followed each other from place to place pretty much at the same time. Yeah, and it was it just worked out good. Look, well, you're a hard worker. You know, I'm a big up but i was a hard <laughs> i was a hard worker. you're always hard worker though you know yeah. what i mean so you know they're hard working guys they click together you know yeah so like uh and that's just why we've been lucky to work these places together and some sometimes like ecw and even our time in wcw we were making a big impact you know to where our work was paying off for us mm -hmm. and the company so so we were fortunate enough to be there at that time you know yeah instead of being there at a time when you know when when guys were you know ah, i don't want to do this or i don't want to do this. you know we like our we generation all, of guys were all working hard yeah, yeah yeah and it was and it paid off like for us our group you know and what a pain in the ass we had to be for the the guy the top guys right <laughs> because they wanted the coast and just cruise and we didn't care and Must honestly we'd have worked each other every night and not gave a shit what the main event was you know what I mean? Like if they weren't, because they didn't want to work with us. It, Specifically in WCW, that yeah, was kind correct. of the thing, Absolutely. right? Yeah, WCW, not WWE was totally different. Yeah, and ECW is different, obviously. It's totally di w WCW, totally different. The top guys, and, and they were really threatened by us. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what do you think they were threatened by? The fact that we were working so hard? The fact that they, that we were getting a push and making the most out of the push. Mm-hmm. And their, uh, the, what they would consider norm wasn't going to fly anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, I worked with Luger at uh, the Universal taping. Yeah, and and uh, he, he tells me, you know, he goes, I'll never forget it. He goes, Perry, he goes, I, I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. He goes, but this is Universal. You do all them goofy suplex things. And I really don't want to do that. So what what should we do, you know? And I, I of course, of course, hung over, not gotten any <laughs> sleep, strung out. I go, well, I don't know, Lex. I only do goofy suplexes, and I walked away. <laughs> you know, but did you end up having the match with him? No, no, yeah, we yeah. had the match. We yeah. had the match, and he's very awkward to work with and stuff. He didn't shoot with me. I didn't shoot with him. We worked, you know, and. Uh, like I don't know what he thought. Never once have I just grabbed somebody and have them not want me to bump them and just throw them around, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, if he could do the walk and pose, and, and then maybe bump me a couple times to go home, he, that would have been all right for him. And I wasn't going to go for that, you know. He was going to have to work with me. Well, especially when you're talking about working Universal and working against Luger, because when we were in WCW, for example, we mostly just worked with each other. Yeah. Like you get a couple times when you might get out of the kind of the box that we're all in, but working Luger for you is probably a pretty big deal. You know, he's a top top guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just had the uh, at time there when Eric Bischoff discussed with me and terry taylor who had a boy what a shit job he had happened to be the booker there when all these guys had their own separate deals going on and stuff yeah, the booker to an extent Stan, yeah you know and eric just told him i'm gonna make money with perry i uh, i want uh perry taken care of oh wow so and then eric tells me now perry 
part of me making sure you're taken care of is you taking care of yourself too. You know, to be the top guy, you got to act like a top guy. Mm-hmm. So now you're not going to put me in a match with Luger where I just had this talk with Eric and bump me all over the place, you know, and, and just job me out. I'm not going to go for that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, but, you had, so you had a good relationship with Eric. He yeah, was a supporter yeah, of yours. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Just by. Uh, through my relationship with Eric also got me in with Dean and Chris, you know, like it was during our little thing with the dress match, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I didn't want to end it. You know, I wanted to go on, you know, longer. It was stupid to not have you work because you were leaving, right? Mm, right. You know, I, I was trying to explain to Eric and being hot-headed and, you know, probably strung out. He turned and I grabbed him by the arm and I go, wait a minute, don't just walk away from me right in the middle of a sentence. Mm-hmm. Or I did that in the locker room full of boys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. It's just I would never do that to him, and I wasn't going to let him do it to me. Right. And he goes, do you know who you're talking to? I go, yeah, I'm talking to the boss who should have enough respect to at least hear me out and tell me my idea sucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He started listening to me and started, you know, and just, you know, and then Dean and them would come up to me. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I always had that problem where I just didn't think like. But you earned his respect because yeah. you weren't a yes man sort of and thing. And right? I would never disrespect you or him. Where he, Okay, Perry, here's, I'm thinking this is me. And I would never go, yeah, okay, and just walk away. Right, right. And he was the boss. If he would hear me out and go, okay, I don't like that. This is what you have to do. I would have done it, and I would have did it the best I could do it. Right, sure. But But don't just dislike what I say doesn't matter. I just couldn't do that, you know. And just, you know, I had no problem being told what to do. But if you're going to act like you're interested in what I'm saying, then you at least got to hear me out, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Let, let's talk about that dress match that we had because the, the, the and see I, I like talking because let me tell you what I remember and you tell me what you remember I remember I was leaving like you said yeah and one of the things was I was gonna you and I were gonna have a, a match where the loser has to wear a dress no okay if I won you were off a of television oh if you won I had to wear the dress but that wasn't the original plan though wasn't the original plan for me to put me in a dress to like embarrass me or something like that no I don't oh, think okay. so okay gotcha. I think I'm because you were off a of nitro because this I had long arguments with Eric about this doesn't it make more sense to have uh, you put guys over <laughs> right. if you're definitely leaving but his thought was you weren't gonna um, he wasn't gonna invest any television time in you yeah that's right yeah and uh Oh, you, I thought, came up with the idea that if you went over, I wear the dress because there had to be some balance. If I went over, you're off the TV. Right. So there, I had to be putting up something, some jeopardy for me. So if you go over, then I have to wear the dress. See, I was always under the assumption that, that the idea that Sullivan wanted to put me in the dress and you, and you wanted to do the Marilyn Manson thing, so you came up with the idea of like... I you know, came up with the Marilyn Manson thing after I got to wear the dress. Oh. I, did, I had no idea that I was going to get to wear the... Like, even wear the dress. I was just trying... <laughs> I was trying to get Eric to keep you on TV. To me, I thought, well, that's a good opponent. Sure. For two pay-per-views instead of one. Because you could be there for two more pay-per-views. Eric just wanted to sit you at home and not use you. Which is exactly what he did after a while. Yeah, Yeah. and that makes no sense. Mm. 
And I'll give Kevin Nash, I think, gets the credit for that because that pay-per-view, we, all the way at the pay-per-view, I was going over. We show up to the pay-per-view, and Eric isn't there. He's hunting. Oh, jeez. And, and Kevin goes, well, uh, what are you guys doing, Perry? And I go, well... I go, I know what Eric wants. He goes, no, I didn't ask what Eric wants. What are you guys doing? He goes, I kind of think it'd be cool to see you in a dress. And I go, yeah, me and Chris think it'd be cool to see me in a dress too. And he goes, okay, that's the finish. If there's any heat, I take it. Can you imagine? Thinking of Vince. Right. You know, like, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about Vince. He's never done anything to me that these horror stories you hear. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, I couldn't imagine Vince saying, this is the finish. And for whatever the reason is, him not there, us going, okay, no, let's do the opposite. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine that. And that's exactly what we did. The next day was Nitro, and I waited for... Um, Eric to come up to me and say something about me in the dress. And uh, Eric came up to me and he goes, oh, looks like you had a bad weekend, huh? That was it. That was all that was said to me. <laughs> like, But that just kind of shows you how the company just would absolutely. go down. Because probably when he showed up, he probably was like, Perry wants to wear a dress. Well, fine. Let him wear a dress then. Not even having any issues with the fact that we completely changed the entire thing. You know, absolutely. The uh, the 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 uh, gap there between leadership and uh, one of the things I use that I tell everybody about. Uh, I had the first match with Goldberg that was Go Goldberg had to put in time. Oh wow! And he had we did twelve minutes and it, we pushed it and it was the first and it was the pay per view match in. Uh, uh, Colorado, you know, uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs. Springs. Yep. Stampede to where they took me off of the road and had me go to the power plant to work with Goldberg till he got comfortable doing hmm. this. One, that's ridiculous to take me off the road. But anyways, the idea was that when he got to work with some of the top guys, he's going to have to do more than two minute squash matches. So, and uh, Terry Taylor said that he thought Terry was a fan of mine you know mm. he thought that he that i could get a match out of him you know and he said uh i'd want 15 uh, you know but we're but it, no less than 10 and we ended up doing 12 minutes but anyways i go over this with bill you don't have to worry about making bill look strong because he's gonna in his own mind right yeah right so we are walking to the getting ready to go to the ring they're playing my music kevin sullivan and jj walk up to bill I'm walking to the ring, and I hear them telling Bill, remember, you're Bill Goldberg. You oh. can't sell. Mm. Can you imagine that ordeal that I had to go through, you know? <laughs> and you're going to the ring now. You don't even know what they're saying to him. But, but I hear them telling <laughs> right, 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 right. As, we're, as I'm going, I don't even get a chance to say, listen to what Eric wants, because Eric got Bill and asked Bill if he would work with me, that uh, he wants him, that he has to start putting in time. It was like getting Bill's permission if I was somebody he would sell for that amount of time. And Bill, oh, no, no, I respect him. I'd work with him, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, of course, out there, I have to argue with him in the match, and I'm potatoing the shit out of him because what people don't know, Bill's not tough. 
Bill's not tough. He's a big, strong, muscle kid, and who bought he bought a uh, Ultimate Fight type dojo. And since he owned it, he assumed you know he thinks that made him a shooter. <laughs> so Bill's not tough. He's strong. He 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 kicked me so hard in the sternum, you know, that I thought a horse kicked me. But the tough, he's not right. To where I had to really get into it with him and tell and make him sell, which is so unnecessary, right? Right. It's a choppy, just a. It looks bad. We get to the back. Bill gets to the back and collapses. They have to get the ambulance. Why? That's how blown oh. up he is. <laughs> I'm blown up, I'm mad, bloody mouth or something. I want to kill JJ, you know. I'm not a fan of JJ's anyways. Right. And I just can't believe, but that's, you know, I come to the back and Eric puts me over and gives me a $100,000 raise. Really? Wow. So now I'm not quite as mad at JJ, <laughs> but it still shouldn't have happened. Right? Right. And that's how that... You and I should have never even thought about switching a finish. Oh, gosh, yeah. Thinking about, like you said, putting in perspective working for Vince afterwards, there's no way. You would not get through the, the gorilla without being fired, fined, you know, whatever it could be, told to leave the building. Let alone the ref would know what the finish was to get him to do the finish you want. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. We were doing uh, a little match for Raw at Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. Vince is always a little hyped up there, you know. And uh, we're going to shoot this pre-tape. And and, uh, Vince calls us over with the PA there. I don't know who it is. And and you go, okay, so what? Perry's mad at me. I'm mad at him. We're going to go blah, 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 blah. And, and then we're, that's the end, right? And Vince goes, okay, yeah, let, I'll get ready. We're going to do it. And the PA goes, that was it. And <laughs> sent us out live, <laughs> and he fired him right there. That's right. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, they didn't tell us that we were on the air. No, and, and you literally went like, so Perry's mad, and I'm mad, and blah, 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 and then... Right? And the guy goes, yeah, that's it. And Vince fired him. And I just remember because of the garden, you have to walk down that ramp. And Vince screaming at him as he's dragging his feet walking down that ramp. I, I specifically remember this. Ba, 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 ba. Like yes. just, that's exactly yeah, what I said. You ba, go, ba, yeah, ba. you go ba, ba, ba. Like. <laughs> that's so crazy. But once again, like you said, that's the in WCW, we never really know who, who the boss was. No. You know, I mean, Eric was the boss, quote unquote, but then Sullivan's the booker, and then Terry's in there, and then Hogan's in there, and then Sav- uh, Savage, and Hall and Nash. Page had a lot of influence. So we didn't really know who to go to. You, you know, he didn't like something, tough luck, you know, deal with it. For a, a Nitro match, I'm working with Bam Bam. They give us the finish, me beating Bam Bam. Bam Bam looks right at Sullivan and goes, no, I'm not doing that. And I go, what, wait a minute, what do you mean you're not? He goes, no, I'm not doing that finish. We just did a finish like that. I'm not doing it. And, uh... Sullivan goes, okay, you hear that, Perry? He doesn't want to put you over, and he leaves. We ended up getting a fist fight in the locker, in the in the really? room. Yep. And he ended up putting me over because Eric, I was Eric's boy, kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I, later on, Bam Bam explained it to me. It wasn't that he didn't want to put me over. It was that they were doing the exact same finish where, where Canyon goes to do something, and he gets f***ed, and he didn't want to do the finish. 
But Sullivan just stirred it up and left the room. Right, right. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to put me over? And you guys end up getting into a fight. fight. Because oh, I punched yeah. him right in the face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and he was not going to back down for me, you know. And later, he asked me, he goes, I don't know what, because Paige, you know, the great mediator, comes in to calm us down, you know, because we're doing me and uh, Benoit against Paige and Bam Bam, you know. Mm. And Bam goes, I don't know, well, I don't know what you're so pissed off about. I go, what do you mean? Uh, you, you, What if I decide all of a sudden I'm not going to put you over? That's not going to rub you the wrong way? And he's, no, that's not what I was saying. But that's what Sullivan oh, let right, me to right, believe right, right. and just lit the fire and walked out. Yeah, just totally stirring it up, like you said. Yeah, you, an agent can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's... When me, Chris, Dean, and uh, Eddie left, our big bitch was Vince Russo was the booker, and we're, we're, we're working whatever the match is, and we're going over. Sullivan or Mike Graham would be the agent. They'd switch the finish and have us do the job. Not knowing any better, we'd just go do the job. We'd come back, Vince Russo would go, why, didn't you, why did you guys do the job? Well, that's because that's what the agent told us to do. Wow. And then, then they'd get Sullivan, and Sullivan goes, well, that just made more sense to me. And that was like... But that's not what was supposed to happen. Correct. Right. And that's where I got into, the, you know, Mike Graham pulled the knife out on me. And- so tell us that story, because this, this thing is, the four of you guys, Benoit, Eddie, Perry, and Dean, you're basically allowed to walk out on your WCW contract and go to WWF, which at the time, there still was a war. Yeah. And those are four big-name, talented guys just leaving. I had... Three years on my WCW contract. Them guys had four years. They just signed. <laughs> just signed. So that we were stuck. Mike Graham in the hot-headed little joint. Like, uh, it, I think of him like the Foghorn Leghorn cartoon. And the little... Uh, uh, the little rooster that wants to fight everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, they, they stir him up. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, they got him all worked up, you know, about because I went to Bill Bush and and flipped out you over know? these finishes being yeah. changed. Yeah, like I if I if I perceive something's wrong, I'm gonna say something. I have that mental disorder. Yeah. <laughs> if I know something's wrong and you're fucking me deliberately, and I have no proof of this, uh, the, my guess is it was all with Nancy and Chris. You know that Sullivan had a vendetta yeah, against you, know, you guys. Sure, I mean, we were guilty by association. Yeah, but uh, so I went to Bill Bush, and then uh, Mike Graham come up to me, and he told me he goes, uh, "Did you guys go to uh, Bill Bush?" I go, well, "Yeah, I went to Bill Bush." He goes, "And what'd you say that you don't want Sullivan?" I go, "Sullivan or you as our agent anymore?" He literally pulled a pocket knife out, and he goes, "You know, I will cut one of your throats." Blah blah. And I go, "What?" I go, "Really?" <laughs> wow. I got the police right there in the building when you're in Cincinnati, and I go, "He's threatening my life with a knife. I want charges pressed." We called the I can't remember the guy's name for Turner Sports. And I had my attorney like call Harvey, him. Uh, was that Harvey? Whatever he's a was. black guy. Okay. And I can't remember. And I had my attorney call him and tell him that they're providing an unsafe work environment, that we're not working there, and we're suing the company. Mm. Within 24 hours, we are all had complete releases from our contracts, the only stipulation being that we couldn't say anything negative about WCW on television. Mm-hmm. We spoke with 
Vince about it. And Vince goes, well, that's okay. Yeah, he goes, I'll have Cactus say all the negative shit. <laughs> have Foley say it all? Yeah. So did you did you guys have any type of conversations with with uh, WWE before you were released? No, okay. no. Uh, while once he pulled the knife out and we knew we were getting released, then then we did. Who did you call? J- Jeff Merrick was my uh, com- internet guy, you mm-hmm. know, and he was in tight with uh oh, jeff merrick from toronto yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, okay. yeah he was in tight with uh what do you call it brother love uh bruce. pritchard yeah yeah bruce pritchard and so i spoke to bruce pritchard on the phone a few times and then bruce said well if you want to come to uh new york we'd love to sit down and talk with you guys originally it was me dean chris eddie shane conan and ray oh okay Vince didn't want Conan, Ray, but would take him. Wouldn't take Shane for nothing. Mm-hmm. So Shane had been there and had his and, issue. And yeah. had some issues. While, while we were talking with Bruce, Shane was going behind our back talking with Bill Bush, telling him, no, don't worry, I'll get this calm down. They're staying. Mm. So it was kind of, you know, but we were going. and uh, Why didn't he not want Conan and Ray at the time? I don't know. Didn't know them. I, I, oh, gotcha. He just said that that they would take them if the deal depended on it. But, but you were the four that he yeah, wanted. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, and then I talked to Eddie, and you know, who who was like, "Oh, I don't know, brother. Whatever we're doing, just let me know." <laughs> you know, we were talking with Bill Bush, and Eddie comes walking in, and Dean goes, "Eddie, we just quit. We gotta go." And Eddie goes, well, "All right, let me get my bag." <laughs> he didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> he so, didn't even care, right? No, no, he just no. was sticking with you guys. Yeah. So and uh, wow, we man. had um, so when this that was the group he wanted was us. So mm-hmm. and. Uh, Conan and Ray would have stayed or when I believe mm-hmm. and he didn't want Shane and Shane didn't want to go. Gotcha. Shane was doing everything he could do to stay. Right. So push came to shove. We went, you know. And, well, you, uh, you grew up where, uh, uh, in, where, was it Cleveland you grew up? Yeah, yeah but I'm Boston. I'm Boston guy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that's more WWE territory. I'm sure, was yeah. your end game to work with WWE? Yeah, is that kind absolutely. of always a, a goal yeah, of yours? Yeah, that's where you want, you know, that was the mm-hmm. shit, that was the best place to be. Yeah. Especially as a young adult watching the Saturday Night Main events, you know. Oh, I wanted to do that so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I went to one pay-per-view growing when I was, there. I was a young adult was Survivor Series. Oh, okay. So that's, you know, man, I did, that was where I wanted to be. And uh, it just seemed like WWE, you're going to be judged by your merits, by your work, not mm-hmm. by like, literally, I think that we had, we were guilty by association with, because of Chris. Otherwise, I, I really have no idea what the hell was going on there. You know what I mean? Me and Benoit just won the tag titles in WCW. And and Eric grabbed me and he said, hey, listen, he goes, uh, I, I want to make sure you guys are taken care of. I'm missing some shows coming up. He goes, if there's any problem, 
here's my number. Give me a call. He goes, because I want to make sure they do this the right way, you know. And I tell him, okay. I go, well, what do you want done? He goes, I want you and Chris in tag matches going over. That's what I want done. I said, okay. So we get to a TV, like it's a, it's a thunder, you know, in their, in their war rooms, the bus, you know, when they had, do you remember when they had them buses? Yeah, and the war room, just so people know, it would be like the, the, the booking office yeah. where, where, the, where the, all the writing would so get done. So it was yeah. Sullivan, and, and he had me and Chris and singles one of us do like me doing a job to Sid Chris doing a job to Macho Man so uh we just beat Paige and uh Bam Bam for the tag titles so oh this it must have been a nitro then because we just did it the day before gotcha and so here's our first uh showing as the tag team champions he has us and so I I go Kevin I go uh I don't want to sound like that guy but Eric told me he wants us in tag matches going over. He goes, oh. He goes, well, he didn't tell me that. And he's not here. So unless you know how to get a hold of him, this is what you're doing. I went, called Kev, I called Ke- Eric on the phone. I explained to him. And he goes, give that mother f- the phone. I go, walked on the bus. I excuse me, Kevin. Here, it's Eric. His face. And they had to put us in a tag match. He must have been thinking like, oh yeah, there's no way he's got this yeah, guy's number. Cause, yeah, because yeah. he's out hunting or wherever the f- yeah, 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 where yeah. disappears. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's where I can see me getting heat. Mm-hmm. Sure, know, of course. You know, with him, but it wasn't. He, we were. I still was being punished for something that wasn't mine, anyways. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. So we did. Uh, we worked with the uh, the varsity club, right? So. Uh, I do a run-in on Robbie Steiner, and he lights me up, lights me up. So um, afterwards, he comes up to me, and he goes, everything all right? I go, yeah, sure, everything's fine, Robbie. So uh, Booker T comes around the corner, and Booker T's screaming, what the f***, Steiner, that's bullshit, you know. What am I going to do? I'm going to fight him every night, and how it ends up, it ends up, right? So Robbie... Booker gets on him, and I know Robbie kind of, you know, like I'm from with this. I've been out a couple times, and once his wife was stuck out, and I made sure she got back to the hotel and shit. Gotcha. So Robbie comes up to me and he goes, Hey, he goes, um, tell me if this is true. And I go, Okay. I go, What? You beat the shit out of me for the whole reason? He goes, No. He goes, Sullivan said that you, you guys tried to get Hacksaw fired. I said, what? I go, I never tried to get anybody fired a day in my life. And Hacksaw, of all people, the uh, nicest guy, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I go, no, that's not true. But that's what was going on behind the scenes. You so know? they were telling Steiners this so they would go out there and beat, but, shoot yeah, on you. Yeah. Why? So, oh, Very Sullivan. Guilt you know? by association. So, 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 and Sullivan go, you know, and um, Robbie goes, hey, he goes, if that was stiff, I'm sorry. I go, you know, it was stiff. I go, but it's all right. I'm all right. If that's how you want to work, it's just going to be shitty matches. Right. And you're going to have better matches working with me. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, that was it. But it was celibate. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, like, just, just stirring part it up. Of their right, yeah. Shit, you know what I mean? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
talk is Jericho. What did you think when you went to the WWE for the first time after being in WCW? And- well, kind of like what I thought wrestling was supposed to be like, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, even... I think that there's going to be cliques everywhere. Just, you know, me and you like each other. We're going to hang out more than me and some uh, Brian Christopher. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the types of cliques to where we're, me and you like each other. So we're going to make sure that mother yeah. doesn't do anything. Yeah, bearing right? everybody. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, I have no problem with, because there's groups of guys that I couldn't stand to sit and talk to. It, but I would never go to somebody, he's an asshole, mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know. It was just business first, right? How many guys are, am I friendly with just because it was good business? Right. But, but let's, let's talk about when you guys first came in as the Radicals because there was a big push for you guys. Yeah, it was like a yeah. big rumble. Like, oh, my God, they're coming out of the stands. And everybody and- was helpful and cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it was, yeah, just totally different to where WCW, they would circle the wagons and try to find ways to trip us up. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because... Yeah, yeah. WCW there was unquestionably the two-class society and the top guys, you know, and I'm not saying, not one of them did something to me individually, but to Luger, Macho, uh, Hogan, uh, Page, uh, Hall Hall and Nash, right, Flair. Mm -hmm. They were in a group and it didn't matter if, if working with me would improve the card, they didn't care. They didn't want to let me in their group. Where WWE, if working with me would improve the card, they wouldn't give a f- about any group. They right. want to yeah, improve yeah, yeah. the card. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That must have been kind of cool, though, coming in with Chris and Dean. Oh, you guys were like a gang, right? Yeah, it was absolutely mm-hmm. way cool, man. Way cool. And it was uh, like historical what we did. Sure. You know what I mean? So... The four of you coming because at that point in time, there's only a few like us WCW guys. I think Show would come in by himself. Then I'd come in about yeah. six months later by myself. But like I had no friends there. I mean, you make friends, but yeah, you know, but, but no, I know there was exactly. a target on my back because I was on my own. Yeah. Then you guys all came in together, and finally, it's like, oh, some other friends have shown up. The Calvary's arrived, yeah, yeah. and then there was a couple of the guys after that, and finally, it was no big deal. But that wrestling war period was a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we didn't give a shit who we worked with, right? Yeah. There would be WWE guys who were strictly WWE guys. And to them, we were the WCW guys. Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely. exactly right. Yeah. Did, um, did, did you did you know you knew Triple H from, from you guys were in Kowalski's yeah. camp yeah. together, right? Yeah. 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 I've known him forever. Uh, as a matter of fact, the only person I, that I've known longer than you is him. Okay. You know what I mean? I've known him forever. Did that help you a little bit when you no, came in? No. Um, Paul and I were uh, going to go to Memphis together just many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, right as we were getting ready to leave, he did a uh, Gold's Gym convention thing, and Flair got you know, seen him and offered him the job at WCW. Gotcha. I wanted to make sure that uh, he always looked at me as his friend, not as somebody wanting something. Gotcha. So I would go out of my way to make sure I never asked him for anything. Let's talk about your relationship with Eddie and Chris, because what happened was like, because you left the company in 04 and then kind of, we'll talk a little about this, these issues that you had. Did you know when Eddie and Chris passed away, where, where were you at that point in time? I, when uh, Chris passed away, I was literally, I was in a crack house wow. getting high and somebody told me, hey, did you see that some wrestling guy died, you know, mm. and that's how I found out about Chris. Wow. 
So Eddie, when he passed away, I was at one of the moments where I was trying to be sober, so I was struggling with it, and Sonny Ono told me okay. about Eddie, you know. Did that, did that affect your, your, your attempts to be sober and get clean? Did it, did it hurt, hurt you? Was it just another I guy? Think, I don't think so. I want to say it did. Yeah. But it, you know what I mean? I just, I relapsed three or four times you know mm-hmm. and uh in my but relapsing is a process part of the getting better you know so and uh Let's, it's hard to like especially being poor is a hard life man mm-hmm. and, and for a long like uh getting high didn't make my life it didn't help me make any money but it helped being poor mm-hmm. it helped make it a little easier you yeah. know what i mean and uh well, let's talk about this quickly because I don't even really know this story. I'd always heard little snippets of it, but you, I hear you talking, you worked ECW straight into WCW, straight into WWE. That's the big leagues. And you said, you said making money and, and being you know, on TV and being famous and all these things. What happened to lead you to being in a crack house and being strung out? Well, I was always f***ed up on, you know, struggling with this. One, I, I, was, I must have been just absolutely great at keeping it hidden you mean while you were working working and stuff mm-hmm. you know so and uh in w- wwe i really had lost control mm-hmm. into where it was affecting my day-to-day life okay now, you know finally the drugs caught up to me i wasn't was it pills uh, or pills and and demerol i was injecting gotcha. you know and i wasn't a, a functional addict anymore mm-hmm. you know i uh uh, and, and it became it was becoming obvious with me like at at the arenas and shit to where uh, uh, Paulie grabbed me and Paulie asked me he goes hey he goes how you doing and I go I'm good Paulie I'm good he goes no 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 you know how are you Perry I go I'm good he goes Perry he goes you're sitting in a in a room with the lights off how are you and I go no no he goes hey you know the old man will help you if you ask for help. And, and at this point, it was time. I was like uh, blacking out. I would, would I'd be in the ring and not even remember how the, what the oh, fuck wow. I'm doing here. Right. Um, it was to where I was uh, waking up and not knowing where I'm at in hotel rooms and shit, you know, at mm-hmm. home. I was screwed up all the time. And uh, it was time to where there, I wasn't going to be able to hide it anymore it was there you know and i was not giving a shit if i hide it anymore so uh talking to paulie and i thought you know i was probably gonna have to go to rehab and i'm gonna talk to vince at at uh raw that weekend i blew out my knee Mm. now i'm home still making money but I now I don't have to talk to Vince because I'm home. Right. And during that process, I just totally lost everything, you know, mm-hmm. to where I was, you know. Now I'm buying a uh, new Bane right. and I'm booting that all day long. And I'm by time I was healing up from uh, my knee surgery, I wouldn't have made it in the locker room for one minute. Gotcha. And I'm so lucky, like. Uh, I was recovering from the knee surgery. I lived in Atlanta, and Raw was at in Atlanta. So I don't want to. I had carried my bag of 
a toiletry bag with all my new bane and shit in it. I don't want to carry this around with me. Yeah, sh- like I'm worried that somebody's, you know, it's gonna somebody's gonna catch yeah, notice. Some, yeah. So not rationally thinking, I, I take my syringe and I put in three times as much new bane as I ever do. Wow. And I figured I'll get good and f***ed up and by the time I'm come down enough to where I need to get high, I'll come home. Mm. So I, I always inject it under my tongue so I don't leave track marks. Wow. I wrestled in trunks. I can't have track marks, you know what I mean? So I get in my car, my truck, and I'm going to go to the, the arena it's August or something, July maybe, in uh, Atlanta. I boot too much, I pass out. Mm. I wake up three or four hours later with my key in the ignition. I was just from turning my key away from being dead because mm. my garage was closed. Oh, you would have driven right into, yeah. Or I would have oh, passed carbon out. Carbon monoxide, carbon yeah. Carbon monoxide, yeah. Right. I would have passed out, you know. Right. And uh, so I, I was, at this point, I really had no control, and uh, I was going to have to have to get help, you know. I had, I was gone. And then I lost my job, you know. They didn't renew my contract. Okay. So then it just kind of now to help me deal with it and I'm all right and I just started doing more and more and now I'm smoking crack I'm uh, doing meth I'm booting meth I'm getting anything I can get wow so just the kind of a downward spiral spiral just by shit luck right 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 and then which makes it even worse now uh, my drug habit was enabled by the fact that sometimes I'm a scary dude Mm -hmm. so now I was collecting debts for all the drug dealers. Oh, wow. And they were giving me all the drugs I could take. So, boom. Now, and I ended up losing everything. My car, my house, uh, my wife OD'd on drugs. Fran? Yeah. She passed. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, wow. I th- right sitting right next to wow. me. So, wow. And I just kept going because I got her doing all the drugs with me, you know. Gotcha. So, and uh, now my house got foreclosed on, my car got repossessed, and all I really give a shit about is getting high. I don't have any money, but I know if I go see this guy and he'll give me a couple of names, I'll go collect the money. I have no problem doing that. Collecting money as in give me the money or I'll break your leg type shit, basically. I had this deal. Um, I don't know where I learned it. I think a guy in Boston taught me that. I, I take a, uh, what do you call it, a 38, and you take the uh, bullet, you pull the shell, dump out all the gunfire, put the shell back in there. Now it's basically nothing. I put the bullet in there, spin, pull the trigger, boom. By the time I get to the third bullet, you don't realize they're never going to go <laughs> off. You shit money somehow. Uh, right, 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 right. right. To them, it looks like I'm going to shoot them. Yeah. And I don't know who taught me that, but somebody did, and I did that. And then if some guys would fight me, but I was just crazy yeah. as fucking, yeah. you know, just uh, and badly needing my fix hmm. to to where fighting me to them was a, you know, uh, maybe they thought was a better way than than dealing with, but it really wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. Right. Uh, now, you know, now I don't have a car, I don't have a house. I got my friends who I collect money for, you know, who keep giving me drugs. 
and, and you're completely detached from from the business at this point too. Like, because I remember no I one could find you. I could possibly imagine somebody seeing me. Gotcha. I couldn't. I would have died of shame. I couldn't possibly imagine somebody seeing me to what I fall into. To where if somebody recognized, I would get argue with them. No, I don't know who you're talking about. That's right. not me. I couldn't imagine somebody seeing me, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just couldn't. And, uh, yeah, I was at rock bottom. Uh, now I'm homeless. I uh, Sonny Ono moved me up to Iowa by him, you know, and uh, tried to help me get, out, get on my feet a little bit. He moved me to the meth capital of the U.S. Oh, my gosh, right. So... I just kept tail spinning out, out. Uh, so where are you living? Right now I'm homeless. No, now, but I mean at the time. At the time I'm homeless. But like uh, just literally living on the street? Street or in garage, somebody's garage. I have my dog that I had since she was a puppy, you know. That's all I have, you know, me and the dog. And I'm going from dealer's house to dealer's house. I'm collecting debt. I'm staying here, staying there. Some nights I'm sleeping outside. I spent one winter at an abandoned farm that two-thirds of the walls were down. But I built a little lean-to and stayed inside there because it's cold outside sure, in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, I, uh, it was uh, like... February and uh, my dog she come over and she lay her head on my lap you know and just loves me mm-hmm. and, and and I at rock bottom I can't do it anymore you know I'd rather be dead but I can't let my do- you know then what happens to my dog wow so I decide that when my dog dies I'm gonna commit suicide mm-hmm. somewhere in there I started to go start to get a little sober started becoming like forever no matter what the headache no matter who i had to hang around with i did it to get the get high now it's starting to become a pain in the ass i don't like this person i don't want to do this i don't want to do that now the drugs are losing the grip on me and and i don't know i just sat there one day and thought if i can hang on long enough to make sure my dog's all right and die after she dies why can't i get sober right and I started to do that and started to, you know, work for that, you know. My wife, who I have now, she's homeless on the streets, a drug addict. And uh, I start letting her stay by me and stuff, you know, so nobody f***s with her, telling her, you know. And, uh, you mean they like, like sleep beside you on the street? Stay, yeah, stay That's with how it know, works. Yeah, 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 you know, and telling her, you don't have to give me nothing. I don't want nothing from right. you. But, like, some guys, they, they were beating her up. You know, that's how I met her, over over $20, you know. And uh, so I, I just kind of started, you know, taking care of her and start talking to her. And we decided to get clean together. Wow. And uh, I would have made it getting clean no matter what, I think, because I, I'm just kind of like that. If I get something in my mind, I do it. Right. You know, but she helped make it easier because we were living at this abandoned farm, you know, she was staying out there with me. I didn't even have a car. She had an old beat up car. And uh, if she was clean, her uncle in Albert Lee, Minnesota, told her that she could stay there. And she says, you know, well, if I do, this guy's got to stay with me. He's helping me out. So we moved into her uncle's house. Gotcha. And started to get sober together and stuff, you know. And uh, Wow, that's incredible. So you met, you, you helped each other. 
to kind of get sober and get clean. Yeah. It yeah. was like it was yeah. destined to be, right? Yeah, yeah. and like uh, I would have got sober no matter what. Sure. Because it, cause I'm yeah. just that way. I think she would have, but I don't know. If she she says she wouldn't have. But I guarantee that now I wouldn't survive without her. How, when you were on this, uh, like living in this farmhouse, like you said, where, how were you eating? There was a ship's factory in... Um, Mason City. Oh, Iowa. And they, like, we, they throw out the chips, big, giant, we'd eat the chips. I eat, I've dug through trash for food. Wow. And I had to, whatever I ate, I had to share with my dog. She was a 130 pound dog. So, you know, mm-hmm. she didn't eat, but that's just how it was, you know. And did, uh, did your dog protect you at times? Was there ever times when someone was trying to mess with you and the dog? No, I don't, th- gotcha. I don't, um, one time, she, you know, because if you see your dog and, uh, like, it's a sweetheart. I don't know if you have a dog. Yeah. To you, your dog's a sweetheart. Right. Never anything. She my, She's an Italian mastiff, 140 pounds. Oh, yeah. Um, she would, you know, red bricks. I could toss them underhand light. She would catch them. Wow. And I would go, f*** it up. And she'd crush it in her mouth. <laughs> yeah. So she's just over a year old, and I'm walking her. This is in Atlanta when I still have my house. You know that noise that a, a dog's collar sounds? You know, I hear this noise and I'm like, oh, and I turn, I look, and there's this pit bull running full speed at me. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I got to try to save my dog. Somehow she shot in between me and caught this dog. I've never seen anything. A drop and roll, and the dog's body, she killed the dog. She wow. dropped and rolled three times, and her body would slam off the cement, and she crushed its head. Wow. And I thought she was just a baby, you uh. know, but she was protecting me. So if I needed her, you know, she, she would have been, be yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I have uh, two pit bulls that I've rescued, you know, and, uh, you know, they're pit bulls, so they're probably mean, you know, they're good people, they're good dogs, but people are afraid of them, sure. you know, and I can't see them as anything but these playful little things. Yeah. I imagine if they got your ass, they'd get you, sure, you know? Sure, sure, sure. So. What, what's kind of like the, 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 you know, being homeless? Is there kind of like a, a society? Like, how does it work? Do you all know each other? And well, is there a leader? Or? Like, I don't know if there's a leader, mm-hmm. but like in Atlanta, uh, they all stay in, in an, under a bridges down there, you know? And um, like, there's... In Albert Lee and stuff, there's uh, shelters, but not a lot of people. You you can get in the shelters, but there's a lot of, you know, you can't be doing drugs and stuff in the shelter for the night, you know. But still, when it's 30 below zero, you want to get in a shelter, you know. So they are a little, the bigger the city, the bigger the, the community, right? Yeah, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, you asked what I eat, like, we weren't, it wasn't like we were the only people that knew about the, the uh, Nabisco, you know, we the chip the, factory, yeah. Yeah, we weren't the only people that knew there that they were always there, people getting them, you know, because that's common knowledge, you know, and it's a very shady, doggy dog type, you know, like Lisa, my wife, uh, for a woman, you know, that's a dangerous, yeah, dangerous, da- dangerous for her to be around, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, they're victimized all the time, so mm-hmm. uh. But to get out of that situation, I mean, that, that's, that's huge, man. I mean, that's, like you said, that's your mental toughness and determination. Yeah, and, she, and she helped. And right. uh, we got, once I knew that I didn't want to get high anymore, then I, I won. You know, yeah. that's just how my mind is. I don't know. You know, like. So you I never had to go to rehab or anything. Oh, no, you just made up your any, mind. No, never done any of that. 
I, I've been clean and I relapsed three different times, you know. Once I relapsed for several months, like me and Lisa lived with her uncle and we relapsed and can't live with her uncle for on drugs, so we were back out on the street. Got our shit together and got back in, you know, and I relapsed last time I relapsed while I was getting high. I was regretting getting high. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. This was stupid. Yeah. And once that happens, then you won. You know, once, you know, it just doesn't have the hold. And uh, I'd like things to be better for me. Mm -hmm. But I know that getting high, they're not going to be any better to where before I could say, oh, at least I was high. Right. You know, I, that, it doesn't, I don't have that anymore, you mm -hmm. know. Like I got the medical issues I'm dealing with. I worked at this factory, you know, I, and uh, they, they, they were in Albert Lee when I was, and they made uh, like telephone poles and stuff. And this pole, it broke down and it crushed me. I had to get my uh, shoulder, my right shoulder replaced. It wow. just crushed me, you know, so I have the uh, metal. This titanium and plate, yeah, yeah. And it's like not a bone anymore. It's a rod. Mm. And, the, and uh, out of that settlement money, I took and I bought a house. Gotcha. A house that was foreclosed. Like being foreclosed, it was $30,000. It was like all my money. But I bought the house hoping that I'll at least have a roof over my head. You yeah, know? you don't have to worry about that. So, and... Uh, Right, right, right. So right now that I have a roof over my head, you know, like I still, every week I get food at the Salvation Army. Otherwise, I don't eat, you know. And uh, Do you ever think about doing like autograph signings and stuff like that at the conventions I, and stuff? Yeah, not a lot of people are interested. And now... Well, I don't think they know you're around. I think I, a lot like of people I, thought you were dead. I did one a couple weeks, like a month and a half ago or mm -hmm. something. I did one. Now with my... I'm afraid that if I get on a plane or something, I'm gotcha. good, something's going to happen. Like, I'm not going to know where I'm going or something. I hear you. That's happening too much now, you know, to mm -hmm. where, like, uh, I wake up in bed and it takes me a while to figure out where, where I am, are. what I'm doing. And that's all in places that are... Uh, familiar. No, yeah, familiar yeah. to me. Yeah. And the first thing that people are, assume will be that I'm on drugs mm -hmm. and I, that's all I need. I've rested in Toledo, uh, on, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and some drug episode, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so to where like my neck is so bad. Uh, like I got, I talked to Paul a couple years ago about, you know, giving me a job yeah, we and, did, yeah. and he offered me something at the developmental center, which I love doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually pretty good at teaching these guys, yeah. you know, yeah. I couldn't pass the physical for the company. You have to pass the physical just to train guys. Just wow. just just to be an employee of the company, right. you have to pass the physical. Uh, and my neck is so bad, yeah. you know, and uh before I was getting the symptoms of the uh traumatic brain injury, you know. Is the, is the brain injuries from from wrestling, from drugs, from, from a combination? I think I think it's from all wrestling. Yeah. Like there's no link to that and drug use. Right, right, right. But there's a link to the concussions. Mm -hmm. And l let's be honest, who knows how many concussions any one of us has Absolutely. had. Absolutely. Right? Uh, who, who knows? Especially from, from our generation of 80s yeah. and 90s, because we didn't know. We remember we used to take chair shots with your head. All the It's just it, the way it was, you know? I did a spot all the time where I'd have you take the chair and throw it as hard as you could flat at right, me. Right, right, right. And I did that in... Let's think about all all the hardcore matches in WCW and just ECW. Uh, yeah. Just that was a big finish in our time. Right. The chair shot, you know, 
and none of us took time off. I laugh like I'm a big NFL fan, and I'm assuming that they must have some sort of uh, comfortability or something with the players to where their concussion protocol where the players don't just lie and say, no, I'm fine. Because, yeah. I mean, how could you tell? Yeah, and, and that's not a company telling us to do that. That's just how it was. We just yeah, no, did that no, on yeah, our no. own, right? Yeah, that's, that's what we're saying. Like, yeah, I'm not blaming you. I know, and I'm not either. Yeah. I'm just saying that's just how we came into the business, how the business was. And now, more than ever, thank, thank God that they finally have these restrictions and stuff. Because before, we're just going out there and just doing whatever you want. I, I would tell you, with that spot I would do with the chair, I would tell you, throw that chair as hard as you can make sure you throw a flat and if you don't throw it as hard as you can i'm gonna be pissed yeah and i would generally be pissed <laughs> yeah. yeah because that's it was a great pop you throw that thing and it makes such a huge noise and it really didn't hurt me as long as it was flat yeah but who knows what it really was doing i was taking the chair shot right right, right, right. or just how about chris all the nights when we would take big bumps Every bump has got to be a little rattle mm-hmm, on the brain, mm-hmm. right? So if I take a really bad bump and I hurt my, I got this concussion and I don't realize it, for the next two weeks, I'm still taking bumps, sure. which has got to be a little yeah, rattle. When you don't realize it. Yeah, right? You like uh, I got knocked, Booker T knocked me out once mm-hmm. with doing the Harlem Hangover. Oh, yeah, the big flipping leg, leg drop, drop right? from the top rope, yeah. That's the only time I was ever knocked out. I'm sure that wasn't the only time I've had a concussion. Yeah. I mean, look at look at uh, what happened with Chris in 2007. How much of an advancement there's been in, in that sort of injury and those yeah. sort of issues since yeah. then, and 10 years from now, even more so. Because it, it's it's uncharted waters right now as far as head injuries goes. You know, we don't yeah. know. The migraine is unreal. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get, I have medicine with me. I have to carry it with me everywhere because if that starts to come, if I don't take this medicine right away, the you can't move. You can't yeah, do yeah, 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 yeah. It's unbearable. Brutal. Yeah, right. and uh, so you know that, and uh, emotionally, like my biggest problem emotionally is I feel frustrated all the time, you know. So which is a very annoying, like you know, like I just feel like oh, like and mm-hmm. for no reason. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I've read and seen like uh, Dave Jewerson was a. Football player for the Chicago Bear, Chicago Bears, part of Mongols defense. You know, oh, hey, he was on that defense, and uh, he committed suicide because he was depressed all the time. You know what I mean? So I've like, read about that. Yeah, they him. all have different. Like I'm not depressed, thank God, but I feel frustrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just something's not right. I can't get it. To, you know, mm-hmm. and so and I like that would be horrible if that was depression instead yeah, of frustration, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Well, let's talk about about some some happier stuff because there's All a couple right, there's yeah, a couple man, more things I want to talk to you about. Everything. Um, uh, tell me about uh, because we were mentioning when you go come to WWE, and you know your work rate is there, but then they always put a spin on it. I think one of my favorite things that you did was the whole Moppy angle. Tell me about Moppy and and, and how that went because well, it, it got over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. It's so ridiculous. I I had to match with Mike Bell, who's a good guy. Yeah. I, just by shit luck, maybe my fault, maybe his fault, maybe a combination, maybe just shit luck. He um, hip-tossed me and put me right on top of my head. You know where you mm. take the bump and you get the flash of light? Mm-hmm. And I fed up and he arm-dragged me right, right on, on top head. of my head. Now, the next thing I remember or can realize, 
I have him in the corner and I am just pounding on him. Yeah. I think to myself, you know, Perry, you better calm down. So I grab him and just push him, try to push him out of the ring. Well, he takes a bump out and gets hung up and goes straight down on top he of He falls his. on his head, yeah. Yes, he did. I remember that. What I did sh- shouldn't have happened, but there's no po- Vince and I argued about this. There's no possible way that I can guarantee that it wouldn't happen again because I didn't intentionally do it. Mm-hmm. I was out and that was just my natural instinct, you know, yeah. like, oh, and uh, my explanation is he, I hit my head and I was out on my feet, didn't know what I was doing. That's the whole moppy angle. <laughs> it is. That's, that's the moppy angle. The, the acolytes power bomb me, power bomb me, power bomb me. And uh, they, they debated on a mop. They thought maybe a, a plunger. They couldn't even decide what, but finally they, one of them came up with me carrying the mop and saying all this stupid shit that I absolutely hated. Like what would you have to say? Well, um, let me think. Um, Crash Holly and... Uh, Molly? B- B- Molly. Yeah. We're going to kiss. And just as they kiss, I stick my face in there and they kiss my cheeks. <laughs> I said oh, something like, monkeys learn sign language so they can tell dolphins they love them. <laughs> you just spelled out random. But they would tell me what to say, you know. Right, but it right. was just so... Uh, it got over. It did get over. We were in the Meadowlands, and I was always got along really well with Pat, you know, Pat, Pat Patterson. And uh, he always taught, I like Pat a lot, you know. Pat come up to me, and he goes, gimmick. He goes, what are they? He goes, you hear the people? And, and I, I go, yeah, they're chanting Rocky. He goes, listen, gimmick. They, they were chanting Moppy before the show. <laughs> Moppy, Moppy. It got over, and, and then they, they killed it too soon. If they Once it got over, they should have ran with it. I always wanted to be this serious, mm, you know. But no, this was, this was over, man. At one show in Scranton, PA, or Schenectady, New York, a kid showed up dressed as Moppy, had the mop hair in it was a phenomenal job. <laughs> they made one Moppy t-shirt, which I got, mm-hmm. and they got rid of it, you know, because they didn't write a story for it. And I was asked, what do we do with it? And I said, throw it in a wood chipper, because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I carried that mop everywhere with me. Everywhere. I carried it on the planes with me. Everything. You know what I mean? I remember that you had it with you on the plane. Like yeah, as if you're, you're working at Everywhere I would sit it. At this time point, Dean was retired. He was the agent. So I would I was riding by myself. I would put it in the uh in the passenger seat, seat belted in. <laughs> but so did you did you not like this at first? I hated it. Hated it. I wanted to be serious. Right. You know, and I was wrong. Hey, I've been wrong a bunch of times. I have no problem admit when I was wrong. That thing got over. I'd still, 99 out of 100 times, prefer to be serious. Mm-hmm. But it got over. Did, and, you, did you start understanding that uh, towards the end and embracing yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. By the time we got rid of it, uh-huh. I, I understood, and it was, and it was over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, But that's uh, 
like it was a punishment type thing. You know, you can see where it was done, like just a zing me, you know, not like this major punishment, but just a little jab. A little rib, me. yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? To where it wasn't some big plot to ruin my life. Yeah. It was just a little rib that the boys can appreciate. And mm. uh, I spent so much time... Uh, like no negotiating against it <laughs> that by the time it got over and nobody came up with anything new they got rid of it you know ha- it was over i should have i would have kept it you should have embraced it and kept going with it yeah. any independent matches i did after wwe i did with that character mm. what do you do you laugh you run in a circle a few times you get heat on me and i blow a comeback mm. it was so easy yeah, yeah. you know like uh my narrow mindedness I wanted to be serious. I felt, I don't know what, the, that's got to be mm-hmm. some sort of... Uh, but that's how you came into the business. You know? yeah, like I said, it, it, it's hard to embrace the WWE way of doing things sometimes, which is you have this entertainment side. Yeah, it's got to, you know? like, not wanting to be a joke, mm-hmm. I couldn't see the humor in it. I gotcha. You know, and I was dead wrong. That, that was honestly the best gimmick I ever had. If It, the, the, it had uh, tremendous potential. Mm-hmm. Tremendous potential, but by the time I embraced it, the rib was over. Was they done. were done yeah. ribbing me, and uh, they had uh, Raven. Raven put it. You know, I mean, like Terry made me choose between her and the mop, and I chose the mop, and all that. You know what I mean? It had. Uh, yeah, it had some legs. Pat wanted me to marry the mop, and it, by this time, <laughs> I was embracing it, and I would have married the mop gladly. <laughs> Oh man, as, as we get ready to wrap up, let's talk a little bit about, about when we first met up in Japan, working for Tenru and WAR. Great, uh, great yeah, times. Yeah, I loved working for Tenru. Too. Yeah, loved working for Tenru, man. He was a, he was a good boss. We had yeah. we had a lot of characters that came through there. I still remember this day, Bob Backlund. He had that little. <laughs> I was, ju- you know what? I'm writing my book. I mean, it's like. Uh, uh, it's almost done, and I had to go back over. Like I'm going over some stuff I missed, and I had to go back over. And like I wanted to make sure I got the Cronus Backlund story in there. Do you remember? Please tell me. I remember. Um, Please tell me. Okay. First of all, it was right after they had that huge earthquake in Osaka and stuff. So our we were on the bus 20 hours a day. Remember? Yeah. Because there are and. It was in July or something. Because there was like all the there was like rerouting and detours. Yeah, all the and, streets were torn. Yeah, up destroyed. Yeah, it was like ninety-five degrees on the bus. John is sitting on the bus in his underwear. Backlund comes down in his three-piece suit and he walks up to Tenru and he goes, "Excuse me, Mr. Tenru." He goes, "It's a little warm, so I hope you don't mind." I undid my top button. <laughs> That entire time, he was only in the suit or the towel with the... Yeah, with a little bow tie. Yeah, yeah the suit with the bow tie <laughs> yeah. or the bathrobe with the towel wrapped around his neck and yeah. stuff. And it was so hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that somewhere in that tour, Bob had, was... It, he was really illiterate at one time in his life. So he takes it very serious learning. And every day he takes, he learns three new words and he gets them in, and he uh, gets them in conversation throughout the day. And, and he has a dictionary that says the word and gives the definition. A speaking dictionary. Yeah. And, and uh, 
but he's John's. He's explaining to John what 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 he's doing, you know. And, and John and he goes. He explains. He goes how important it is to be able to speak. He goes, you know, like of course Winston Churchill was the greatest orator of all times. And then Bob goes, well, I'm sorry, John. Uh, you probably don't know what an orator is, if I'm saying that correctly. And John goes, whoa, I don't know who Winston Churchill is. <laughs> Backlin didn't talk to him the rest of the tour. And this is John Cronus, your yes. old partner. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, you probably don't know what an orator is. I don't even know who Winston Churchill yeah, is, Bob. Woo! But not, no, he said and everything because he not meaning to be vulgar or anything. Yeah, yeah. It was just him. He was just a big kind of goofy kid, wasn't he, oh, right? That tour, Warlord was there, and we were all trying to sleep. Remember, we were on the bus. 20 hours some of them days. John hopping, bopping, doing all kinds of shit and making all kinds of noise. No one could get sleep. Yeah. So Warlord halcyons John's beer. <laughs> Finally, we all slept, but John. <laughs> yeah, I remember how, how sad he was one time when he was eating a steak. He's like, this steak's pretty good. I said, chances are it could be cat meat. Yeah. And he was just like, don't say that. Please don't say that. Like, just a big, but I think that was like one of his first tours ever. He had just been in the business. Well, we, were, we worked. Here's the deal with John. John had one match. Mm -hmm. Me and Paul Levesque were going to uh, Memphis. So uh, right before we were going to leave for Memphis, Paul got the job at WCW. I wanted to split the uh, living expense with somebody, you know, and John was there at Walters. He only had one match, though, but I knew John. He worked at a bar I worked at and stuff. So I presented me and John to Lawler as a team, you know, that we right. worked together a couple years, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so John's first match was that he had a t singles match somewhere uh, for Walter. His next match was on Memphis television with me, you know? So we worked down in Memphis for nine straight months, and then we went from Memphis to 10, worked to for 10, 10 right, right, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he, was, he wasn't as, because you guys had great chemistry. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of a natural right off the yeah, bat. Absolute incredible yeah. athlete. People that, like, uh, because you see him and his personality and mm -hmm. everything. You wouldn't think so. But he's a great athlete. Yeah, yeah. Great athlete, man. Such a good guy. And, uh, you know, and he liked everybody, mm -hmm. you know. And if he didn't like you, you're something really not. <laughs> like Vampiro. He didn't like Vampiro. What about uh, Grease? Tell me about Grease on the bus. Oh, and, and we would... That one particular tour, we that's not an exaggeration. We were on the bus like 20 yeah. hours, you know, and we'd watch the uh, videos, you know. We'd see Tiger Chung Lee's movie. He'd be sleeping as soon as his part was over, <laughs> and then we'd put something else in, and we were, if, I don't know if you remember, we were literally singing the songs yeah. and stuff on the bus, having a great time. We were like very adolescent whatever it didn't matter we were having a good time doing it i remember it, they know? put a, like a karaoke machine on the bus once and oh. we were singing grease songs from from my recollection because we even had tenru singing them yeah oh yeah because he knew it too right. yeah we had when and the deal there was tenru was a great to us yeah any any bus trips he didn't make and his brother-in-law made the yeah. brother-in-law was an asshole right he didn't stop to get his food or anything yeah but uh tenro yeah tenro was a good guy i really like remember we had a it was me you and john against tenro and uh two other i don't remember who the other two guys were and uh tenro came in and booted john 
and John just whipped his hair back, and, and uh, what do you call it? Next thing you know, Ken will booted John, <laughs> and you go, oh, I bet he'll sell the boss next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, man. Dude, uh, last question. If you, tell me some, if, if you could pick your favorite match that you ever had or, or a couple of your favorites. Does one pop into your head? Well, I have one match that by far I feel was my best match. It was uh, in Winston-Salem. I don't remember the pay-per-view for WCW. It was me against Raven. And uh, if I won, the flock was sent free. Mm. That was good? Yeah, that was an outstanding match. That was a match that every... Where we thought we were going to get a reaction, we got it. You know what I mean? Like, that was a match I watched that, and I think, I used to have a little bit of talent, you know? <laughs> like, that was a kind of match, like... Uh, I love, uh, I would have loved to have seen you and you and Scotty putting that match together, because I'm sure it wasn't easy between the two of you guys trying to decide how to put it together. <laughs> well, You're shaking your head. Oh, my well, God. because, you know, we worked two pay-per-views up to this match. Yeah. So we, he was putting it together for two months, you know? <laughs> and, you know, with Scotty, we had every member of the flock doing something. It was a whole, everything. Run-ins and kick-out. Canyon was handcuffed to the ring apron and everything. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a good, <laughs> yeah. And I, like, Scotty was the best worker you're going to work with or the worst worker. Mm -hmm. There was a match... I always bring it up because I have video proof of it. There's a match. It was a three-way. Me and Scotty against Chris and Dean against Kidman and Mysterio. I don't know what was up Raven's ass. It was a 34-minute match. I was in the ring 31 minutes. <laughs> One point, and I have video proof. I tag him. Before I could get out of the ring, he tagged me back in. <laughs> me swearing at him. Something was wrong and he didn't want to work. He was, And I watched the match. He beat Dean. We won the straps. So at first watching it, I thought, well, he must be doing the job. But then we went over and he, he took <laughs> he got the, the ball. Yeah. And uh, I to the... I don't remember what was mad, but I remember I argued with him in the back going over the match. And he literally, when I argued with him, uh, I, I said something that like, uh, if Lazy doesn't want to do nothing, I'll do it. <laughs> so Scotty said, okay, Lazy's not going to do nothing. <laughs> you heard his feelings. <laughs> I, that's no joke. I timed it and everything. It's incredible. <laughs> the one... He, even Bobby Heenan said something. Why? I commentating. I remember the one that you guys had when you first came into WWE. It was a 10-man tag with the Radicals and Mick Foley yep. against, was Triple H in there and yeah. Too Cool? And it was me, uh, me, Eddie, and uh, Dean. Not Eddie. Eddie was hurt. Me, oh. Dean, and uh, Chris, X-Pac, and uh, Hunter. Against, against Mick Foley, Rock, and Too Cool. Oh, I mean, I just remember the reaction for that was off the charts. Yeah, yeah. It was like, a, I don't know if it was Elimination Tag or whatever, because it was right near the... Yeah, it was... I, th I don't know. I don't remember what if it was Elimination or not. I just know that that it was a big deal. Like, you know, and for your like one of your first matches there, you get to be put in that and see what it is when guys work together to get over. Yes. 
And that was the difference, right? Great point. Yeah, guys work together to get over. That was, you're right, Chris, yeah, that's the difference, right? Uh, me and you are having a match. We're both over. WWE, I'm going to work as hard as I can so you get over, and you're going to work as hard as I can so I get over. And H is doing it, Rock is yeah, doing it, WCW, Foley's doing it. WCW, yeah. I'm going to work as hard as I have to to make sure that I stay over more than you. Right, 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 right. right? right. Yeah. It's just not... Yeah. Self, they no. It's the complete selfless as can be, and uh, yeah, it's it was different. It was one of those ones where I was watching it, jealous that I wasn't in it. I was like, ah, but man, it's good talking to you. I'm glad we got to do this today, dude. And yeah, uh, that's 22 you, years of, of knowing each other. So it's, uh, it's wow, good good, good times. Oh, that's a long time, yeah. right? <laughs> Thanks to Perry Saturn for sharing his life with us, those amazing stories, being so open and honest about his tough battle with drugs and his uh, subsequent uh, sobriety. So great to see Perry clean and sober and getting his life back together, but he needs help. He has no cash. If you want to help him during this difficult time, please throw him a couple bucks at GoFundMe.com slash Perry Saturn. He's dealing with a lot, as you heard. I know he'd appreciate anything you can do to help. He's a great guy, a good friend, a long-term friend. He'd give you the shirt off his back if you knew him. I'm telling you that right now. GoFundMe.com slash Perry Saturn. Saturn. Give him some support. And speaking of support, thanks to all of you for supporting this podcast as you do twice a week. And uh, to continue to support the show, easiest way to do that financially is to use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links whenever you do any online shopping. You can find my Amazon links at podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button at the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got the Amazon links in the USA, UK, Canada. No matter what you buy on Amazon, uh, they're going to kick back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. There's no extra fees or hidden charges. Just go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page and hit the Talk to Jericho button. You'll find all my great sponsors there as well. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 25% off all DDPY merch. And when you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you get a second for 50% off the price that's already 25% off. I mean, that is a huge bargain and it is worth it mentally and physically. And then when you're done DDP Yoga, go have some great treats, some tasty treats from Blue Apron. Sign up there at blueapron.com slash Jericho and get your first three meals for free with free shipping uh thank you once again for for all the support and thanks for supporting the jericho network uh all of my shows are doing great beyond the darkness has turned out to be such a big hit though for the jericho network they're going to five days a week starting this monday that's right you get your paranormal fix five days a week from monday to friday right here on the jericho network via podcast one with beyond the darkness go hit subscribe at itunes if you haven't already leave beyond the darkness a five-star rating and review and go and hit this hit the subscribe button for all the jericho network shows while you're there hilarious team tiger awesome show this week what hollywood block needs a reboot we've seen total recall get a reboot we've seen amityville horror get a reboot they're, just, they're trying to decide what, what's the best one should it be home alone i think is one of the examples they said go check out gage truly and monday team tiger awesome every sunday killing the town with storm and cyrus every tuesday cyrus has just been announced the color commentator for new japan pro wrestling congratulations to him uh his battle with disco inferno is increasing he will actually be on uh keeping it 100 with conan which is going to be here on thursday it's going to be huge. Got a little cross promotion going on there. Uh, so go check out all the Jericho networks and check out the 60 second AP news headlines coming up next and check out on Friday going back to the paranormal, uh, not just beyond the darkness, but the talk is Jericho paranormal shows are super popular as well. And this weekend, 
Well, this Friday, should I say, it's a creepy one. Haunted collector John Zaffis is here. He's the legit nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are the uh, ghost hunters in um, uh, in The Conjuring, and he's got a lot of uh, wow, a lot of their artifacts that they've got over the years. Uh, some creepy, insane stories about possessed dolls, exorcism, uh, possessed pictures, uh, demonic in, uh, trinkets, and he's got them all in his house. Yeah. Who'd want to live in that house? It was a creepy, creepy place. John Zaffis is going to tell us all about some of the most terrifying uh, items in his vast haunted item collection. Uh, haunted collector John Zaffis will be here on Friday. So get ready to get the scare, the clap scared out of you. And until then, be safe, be cool, stay hard, stay hungry, and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.